0: Well, you guys, we are doing a study. Uh, it's been a couple weeks, so we got to review. What were we doing a couple weeks ago? Anybody remember the book of the Bible we were looking at? Peter. Peter. We're in First Peter, okay? And this is all going to be quiz. What is First Peter about? What's the thesis or the primary exhortation in Peter? Live as exiles. Okay, you're live as exiles. Excellent. Very good, right? So you're aliens and strangers in the NIV, you are sojourners and exiles in the ESV. That's what it's about. You're weirdos. You're strange. You're different. You don't fit in. And so, here's just a bunch of stuff you've got to do. Where does that occur in Peter? Where, is that, where, is, where does the thesis exist in the letter? You guys remember the chapter and verse? 2.11. 211. Okay, that's good. So it's, it's a little bit, he's kind of burying the lead here, right? It's, it's like, Kind of halfway through chapter two, then he finally says, "Live as aliens and strangers; you're sojourners and exiles." Okay. So what preceded that? If he's burying that lead, we don't get there until chapter two. What's he been wasting his time on in chapter one? And I'll give you a hint: it wasn't a waste of time. Okay. What What was he doing for that all that time leading up to the thesis? Remember what we've been looking at. What precedes the big statement? Okay, who Jesus is and where we are in him, it's good. What he's essentially doing is he's resourcing us. He knows that he's about to drop something difficult, something heavy, something hard. And before he gets to like the, ap- the action point, he's like, you guys, let me remind you what you have. And so he's going to give us three resources. He doesn't give us the resources. He reminds us of three things that we already have. You, Jeff, if you're going to do what I'm about to ask you to do, if you're going to live as an alien and a stranger, let me remind you, there's three things you have, right? And all three things are modified by the same adjective. We've got a, we got a blank and a blank and a blank, but they all share this in common. What's the adjective that describes the three things that are setting us up to get to this great big call? Living. Living. You have a living X, a living Y, and a living Z, right? You have these things, and if you have them, it's going to equip you. It's going to resource. This is what you need in order to carry out the mission I'm about to give you. Okay, so what's the X, Y, and Z? We have a living living word. That was second. We have a living hope. That was the first one. And then this week is going to be stone, stone which we haven't discussed yet. We have a living hope, and we spent some time on that. We have a living word, and we spent some time on that. And we have a living stone. And if you're going to get through this season, which might be like for the rest of time, okay? We've been living in a season of not being very much like aliens and not being very much like strangers. Um, But that's drawing to a close. And you are going to get stranger and stranger. Your children are going to get weirder and weirder. Your grandchildren, if they're believers, are going to get weirder and weirder. The world will think it's strange that you and they do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation. You're just going to get weirder. And if you're going to survive the weirdness, if you're going to be the alien then you're going to have to know something about this living hope and this living word and this living stone that we have. Okay? So this week's all about the living stone. And I think you're caught up. So you ready? First Peter. We're going to start in chapter 2, verse 4. And here's our passage about the living stone. I just want you to hear it and we'll kind of take it apart. He says, verse 4, As you come to him, that would be Jesus, by the way, The living stone, there it is. You might have underlined that already. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, quote, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, quote, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And, quote, a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble... Because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. All right. So the question, really the question of the morning is, what does it mean that we have a living stone? And you're thinking about getting through this dark days of living as an alien and a stranger. If I were to say, hey, no, 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 don't sweat it. You've got a living stone. Okay. So what? what? Okay, what does that mean? So just take, take, you can, and I'll, I'll guide you in a few minutes here, but let's just kind of first first pass. What is what is Peter saying? That you have a living stone, and why will that be helpful to you? Living stone. Fetz?
1: A uh, couple of thoughts. The first is uh, the uh, house that's built on stone, uh, in Matthew 7, as opposed to the house that's built on sand. And then the other thought is,
0: Okay, excellent. So what Andy's doing is he's just thinking through, okay, how does the Bible use the imagery of rocks or stones? Um, and maybe that will kind of, we can borrow meaning from those other ones to give us something here. Okay, so this is great. And this is exactly the practice that we should do. So there's themes throughout scripture. That are, maybe not themes, maybe it's more of motifs, images that get repeated over and over again. And very often those images will show up and there's some layer of meaning, just one layer of meaning, but then it starts to begin. You're like, oh, 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 and it just gets—it's like layer and layer of like lacquer, you know. It just gets richer and thicker and deeper and more glistening as we go. And so you're saying that in in the scriptures, rocks represent something that is strong or dependable, right? So when the storm comes and you build your house on the sand, you're like the three little pigs, right? And your house is blowing over. But if you build it on a rock, you're good. And in Psalm 40, which we just looked at like a week or two ago, Jesus takes us out of the miry clay and he sets us on a rock. So we have a living rock. We have something. When the world is shaking and nothing seems the way it used to be, something is firm and secure. Am I capturing you right? Okay, excellent. Uh, Lily, I think. Yeah, that that, that that image should show up many times that, and that's kind of what you'd think right rock is a you don't want to build stuff on in swampy land you want to build it on something that's like there's a bedrock right
1: so also um, Ephesians comes to mind Ephesians 2 um, starting at 21 in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord yeah. you're being built into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit so we don't so we don't just There's a, there's a reflection of um, the very body of Christ in each individual person as a stone being reflective of the, the temple excellent. in
0: Revelation as well. Okay, excellent. And so we're gonna so hold on to that. We're, we're gonna end with that as we think about kind of some of the implications of this, but it's ab, it's absolutely right that it's not just that we have a stone, but we we also are being built as living stones. We'll talk about what that means in a little bit. So excellent. I feel like there was another hand, I thought, somewhere else. What does it mean that we have a living stone? <laughs> Any of the things that were on your mind you want to throw out there? Well,
1: they got water from the stone in the wilderness.
0: Okay, interesting. So if you're if you if you're continuing, if you're just kind of Rolodexing your mind, like where else do we see stones in the in the Bible, in the Old Testament? You're like, well, there's this whole time where they're in the wilderness, and the rock provides water as a provision. Curiously, Paul picks that up in 1 Corinthians. It says Jesus was the rock, right? So the idea that the rock is not just something we build on, but in some really strange way, it is a provision. It is through the rock... That comes all this stuff that we needed. In, in that instance, water in a desert. It's an excellent observation. Yeah. Brad?
1: Also think in the Old Testament the uh, altars and Ebenezer stones that were built for the remembrance of God's goodness.
0: Excellent. The okay. Promises. Okay, so what Brad is talking about, there was a there was a practice in the Old Testament when as the people of Israel were traveling around and God would show up and do some amazing thing, they would take a rock that's laying down and they would stand it up, make some big thing. It was just like a, like a monument to say, right here. This is where it happened. It's a it's a way to like make a marker and say God was faithful in the past, which gives us hope that He'll be faithful in the future. So rocks show up there. Okay. So what you guys are doing right now is you're just kind of like rolling in your brain through. Where can I? Th- I'm just trying to remember. Was there a rock in the Bible? There was a rock here. There was a rock here. Water in the rock. Build on this rock. Set on a rock. Peter's about to do that same exact exercise, right? So he is. He says, you know, we have a living stone. And then he goes through and he's going to quote three passages from the Old Testament that are just exactly what you're doing. He picks this rock and this rock and this rock. The three that he chose are a little different from the ones that you did, but that's because there's a, there's a huge library of, of rock stories, right? Um, and by the way, why would Peter have any peculiar interest in passages in the Bible where the rock motif shows up? His his, not, and not just, his, yes, his name, but not just his name, but what's the peculiar function behind that name or the story behind that name? Jesus said he was the rock he would build his church. That's right. So it, it wasn't really his name. His name was Simon, right? But Jesus nicknamed him Rock. And so you got to think, when Jesus, when Jesus nicknames you Rock, then you might be interested to be like, Rock, what does that mean? And then you go back and you do a little Bible study to see. okay, if Jesus is calling me a rock, how does the Bible use that? Let me, let, me, let me unpack that. And so it's not surprising that he would, that he would do this. And here's, here are the three passages he quotes. And we want to just try to say, okay, what is, where's Peter going with this? Because we need it. Okay, you need to have a living stone. He says in Isaiah, he's quoting Isaiah 28 in this first one, which says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame so what's a cornerstone just in the normal actual world what's a cornerstone that's right and so it, it kind of determines that you set this one up boom and then every rock the foundation is being laid off this this is like our, our starting point so if God is going to lay a cornerstone who quote the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame what is that image that Isaiah is using what is he, what's he trying to convey to us I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. What does that mean?
1: If the, if the cornerstone is in the right place and everything that's built from it and on it, then everything will be consistent with it. If it's askew, then everything's
0: amiss. Okay, very good. If this thing is right, everything that flows out of it is going to be right. If it's askew, then everything will be amiss. That's absolutely true. Suzanne, what were you going to say? That's right. It sets the tone for everybody else. Christ is the Lord. Right. And clearly, and, and Peter's going to say, yeah, he did, and his name was Jesus. Jesus is that thing. And then what's the result? If you get the cornerstone right, what's the result according to Isaiah? What is the thing that's going to flow? Or what's the, what's the not result, I, maybe I should it's say? Won't be put to shame. Won't be put to shame, right? So, so you are, but Pete, we, we know where Peter's going is that you're about to be put to shame. You're about to be mocked. You're about to be scorned. You're about to be thought ill of. You're you're such an idiot. How are you people so stupid that you're going to make all these ridiculous decisions? It's going to be a world of shame. And Peter's like, yeah, but not really. Not really, not really. Because there is this cornerstone and there is a promise given to us that if you are lined up with this rock that is Jesus in the final analysis... You won't be put to shame. There will be mockery in the meantime. Jesus was mocked, but in the final analysis, all will be well if you're linked up to this cornerstone. That's number one. Got it? Okay. Number two, look at the second passage. That's Isaiah. And you can go back and you can look these up in context if you want to kind of see. We don't have time for it this morning. But the second one is from the Psalms. He says, uh, Psalm 118, verse 22 to 23. It says, "The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone." OK? There's two ideas are present in here. So what's the first idea? Jesus is a rock, so he's, in the one sense, he is a cornerstone. What's the other kind of rock that he is? According to Isaiah, I'm sorry, according to Psalm 118.
1: Rejected.
0: He is a rejected stone. Excellent, right? So he is the cornerstone, yes? But guess what? He is also the rejected stone. The stone, the build. So whatever happens, they're digging through the rubble pit. They're cutting rock out. And there's this rock. And the builders are like, ah, this garbage. Throw it away. It's the wrong size. It's got a chip in it. It's the wrong color. I don't know how you evaluate rocks if you're building a wall or building a building. But there's this rock that is like discarded garbage. Get rid of it. We don't want it. And Psalm 118 says, yeah, 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 but hang on. The stone that gets rejected is going to become the capstone. What's a capstone? Um, it's, not the, it's not the same as a cornerstone. The top. the top. It's the final stone. So the cornerstone is the first stone. The capstone is the last stone, right? This is the final flourish. It's kind of like when God makes the world, what's the last thing he makes? Uh, close. Woman. The last thing. The final flourish of creation is a woman. Right? The final delight is a woman. There's something theologically very significant about that. Man was second to last. Woman was last. Right? And I think in that that account, there's some final delight. Some final beauty. Jesus is not just the cornerstone, but he's the capstone. But in between here, he's the rejected stone. Okay? So again, I ask you, why is it meaningful? to people that are about to be told, you're aliens, you're strangers, you're sojourners, you're exiles. This is going to be hard. It's already hard, and it's going to get harder. What is the value in saying, you know what? Jesus was a rejected stone. We can relate with him. Say it again?
1: We can relate
0: with it. Absolutely, right? So when we are rejected, instead of being like, well, I guess it's over, (laughs) we say, no, 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 he was rejected, so it shouldn't shock us. It shouldn't be... uh, it shouldn't be strange to us if we are also rejected. If we walk with him and the world thinks that we're idiots, we should be like, well, yeah, what did you think was going to happen, right? And if it worked out for him, then maybe, maybe it'll work out for us, right? Lily? Um, also significant with the cornerstone having to do with what you were just talking about
1: is it joins.
0: That's right, and we're yeah, and all of this image that we are being built together, right, into this this thing, and so there's something here that he's bringing us together, but the process is going to be really yucky, right? Because he was the rejected stone, we will be the rejected stone, and then what about that he will be that he's the capstone? Why is it meaningful to us if this cornerstone and this rejected stone is also a capstone? What does that mean, Suzanne? Uh. Stone on say a wall protects the wall. Okay, how does I don't know that. What does that mean? It um it helps like water and run off Oh, oh, oh. Image the surface of the wall so that the wall would then collapse. Oh, that's so interesting. So you mean you mean like so it's kinda of like the roof thing that keeps the water from getting in and cracking and breaking the whole thing apart. So there's some aspect, perhaps the image might contain something about Jesus' as being a um, an apple tree, a covering, a protection over us. That's fascinating. I'd never heard that.
1: Maybe that it's, uh, that he's victorious, or maybe that it's like the beginning and the
0: end. That That's the, the sense of his, the, the finality, the final, the the crowning achievement is the sense in which I've always thought of, the kind of, the, the victorious. But that there's, oftentimes these images have multiple facets to them, for sure. But yes, I think that it's his the one when the rejected stone is discarded right it's rubble it's just garbage laying over here but the capstone is the one in which is is the is the what do you call it how do you say that word cupula cupula what do you call the top of like a cupola i don't know how to say it. okay cupula it's like there's that thing of like it's the final beauty and he is that he, though he is rejected he is he goes he takes the lowest point that's his rejection but he's He's raised up to the highest point. It's, we talk about this all the time, but it's Psalm 2. I mean, I mean, I mean uh, uh, Philippians 2, once again, right? That he is obedient to death, even death on a cross. He goes to the lowest point, And therefore God exalts him to the highest place. And he gives him the name that is above every name. And again, if we identify with him in his rejection, then we should expect that we will also be identified with him in his exaltation. It's the V-shaped Christian life. We choose the lowest place, and he exalts us to the highest place. The rejected stone becomes the capstone. This is the shape of Christianity, and we ought not be dismayed when we're, when we're descending into the lowness. You want to add something to that?
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, he tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes, it blessed are we.
0: 100%. And even in that, we just, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 37, which is what Jesus quotes in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, The meek shall inherit the earth. Psalm 37 is just full of all this language of the suffering that the saints go through. And endlessly, 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 he's like, But you're going to inherit the earth. You're going to inherit the land. You're going to get it all, right? We get it all, but not before we lose it all. And so we oughtn't be dismayed in the loss. The rejected ones will become the capstones. He is, but so will we if we link our lives to his. Okay? So, we've got what are the three stones we've got so far? Number one? Uh, the stones, not the living things. Cornerstone? Number two? Yes. Stone. Rejected stone. Number three? Yes. Capstone. And number four. Let's take a look at number four. Uh, this is where he's quoting back to Isaiah again. He says, A stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. There is a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Uh, That's Isaiah 8. Uh, 13 to 14, 15, something like that. In fact, we can go back there. This might help you to get a little context. Go back to Isaiah 8 if you want. And this might be a little bit less obvious. So let me give you a little bigger bite of it, okay? So we go back to Isaiah 8. Um, this is right at, uh, let's see, how do I do this? Um, Isaiah is a complicated book. Isaiah 7, you guys know, it's the promise of Emmanuel, right? Um, which was not ultimately, well, no, it was ultimately. It wasn't immediately about Jesus. It was about an immediate context going on. But throughout Isaiah 8, it, the Emmanuel thing gets picked up. And, and coming in, uh, like back in verse 8, it says... Um, uh, forget that. I'm not you can chase the Emmanuel stuff down later. That's, that's not going to help us right now. Verse 12. Don't, cons- don't call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. And don't fear what they fear. And do not dread it. For Check it out. The Lord Almighty is the one that you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. And he will be a sanctuary. But for both houses of Israel... He will be a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. Okay, so he's a cornerstone, he's a rejected stone, he's a capstone, he's a stumbling stone. What does that mean? Jesus is a stumbling stone, a rock that makes people fall. They just don't get it. Okay, they just don't get it, right? Um, which, which makes it sound a little bit intellectual. It's rarely is the problem intellect. It's almost entirely volition, right? I don't get it because I don't want to get it because I want to do what I want to do. okay right? So our problem is not data. Our problem is like, I just like me, and I want to do what I want to do, and I'm really bad at predicting the things that will bring me ultimate joy. That's the, that's the bigger problem, right? So he's a stumble stone. What, tell me more about that. What does that mean? Yeah, Becky? Yeah, the gospel, yeah, 1 Corinthians 2. The gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. In fact, all through Corinthians, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians have tons of this language that is uh, for some people the gospel. Well, It's like this. Paul says that we are the fragrance of Christ. And what does Jesus smell like? According to Paul. Do you guys know this this passage? Right? To some it's this, to some it's that. Right. He says we are the aroma of Christ among those who are perishing. To some... It is the, the stench of death. Yeah. And to others, it is the fragrance of life. And then he says, who is equal to such a task? What is it like to enter into a community to speak of the beauty of Christ and have some people weeping because they recognize how deeply he meets their needs and they want him, and they have others gnashing their teeth in anger and rage? He's like, this is what I do all day, every day. Some people think I smell delightful. Some people think I smell terrible right and to those that it smells terrible it's a stumbling stone it's an offense the gospel message is to some people the best and sweetest thing they have ever heard and to others it is an offense and a, and a just a disappointment i can't believe you're so stupid that you would say something so wicked so evil. So are you telling me that God? You know. So you're telling me that God is a giant child abuser, and in order for God to forgive you, he had to he had to grossly murder his son. It's, child, it's divine child abuse. And your gospel is ridiculous, right? We will hear. You will hear this if you share your faith. You're going to hear people that just think your message is just insanity. It is a stumbling stone. Okay. Now why? Again, we got to keep keep the end in mind. Paul Peter's about to say, be an alien, be a stranger. Be a sojourner. But before we do that, you got a living hope, a living word, and a living stone. When I say living stone, what I mean is you got a cornerstone, a rejected stone, a capstone, and a stumbling stone. Why is he telling us that we have a stumbling stone? These the first three sound like I can get my head around that. What's the, why tell you the fourth? Why is he telling you? Listen, he's a stumble stone. Okay, yes, and okay, but connect those for me.
1: So, if Psalm 91 tells you that if you make him your fortress and take refuge in him, then the angels will guard you and lift you up and you won't strike your foot on the stuff.
0: Okay. Okay, so that's true. So we, so if we are faithful in him, then we won't stumble. That's true, right? Although, well, we might trip. Like, we might trip, right? But we're not going to ultimately be crushed by this rock. But why do I need to tell you on the front end that he is, in fact, going to genuinely, actually cause real people to stumble? fets? Because we also
1: are the stones.
0: Okay, and therefore... That's right, right? And you need to know. When you. If, okay, so when, I, when I've, I've trained like hundreds and hundreds of college students to share their faith. And there's this huge temptation to be like, hey, here's this great idea. Go talk to people about Jesus, and it's going to be amazing. And you're going to love it, and they're going to love it. and Everything's going to be great. People are going to come to Christ, and it'll be wonderful. And that's all true. It's all true. Like, we, we routinely, when I was at Penn State, we would routinely see people begin, come to new life in Christ. Because somebody took the initiative to start a conversation with them. But it's not all we saw, right? We would also have conversations not go well. We would also have people that go home and talk to their parents, and they're all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and then they come home discouraged and dismayed. And you've got to warn people on the front end, listen, listen, you're going to sometimes smell like life, but sometimes you're going to reek like death. And you just got to know it going in. If you're going to step into this season of the world, you just got to like be ready for it because the hits are coming. And if we, were, if we were just selling some big Pollyanna game of everywhere we go, it's revival every day. There is this theme of Christianity where you get the sense that it's like victorious every day. I don't know where these people are functioning, but that's not where I function, right? There are victories. There are much to rejoice in. And there are things that are discouraging and there is failure and there is dismay. And so listen, he's a stumblestone. Some people, you're going you're gonna to communicate the message Perfectly, beautifully, clearly, lovingly, and they're gonna hate it. Yeah. So it's okay. Strap in. He's a cornerstone. He's a rejected stone. He's a capstone, and he's a stumblestone. All right. Now, cat. What is our response? Um, okay. To what? To when they reject what we're saying. Oh, okay. So, cat's question is: What's our response when people reject what we're saying? There's a. There's a. There's a whole bunch of different things that you might do, right? So sometimes what we do, um, what Peter's going to say later on to wives of men who don't know Christ, he's going to say, you might just need to stop talking for a little while, right? And just step back and just love him and let your life just show it, right? Sometimes Paul will say, warn a divisive person once, after that warn him a second time, then have nothing to do with him. Sometimes he'll say, leave the relationship. Sometimes you stay in the relationship, but you shut up. Sometimes you leave the relationship. Sometimes, though, you take the hit again and again and again. So when Peter's in Corinth, he's afraid. I'm Paul. When Paul's in Corinth, this is Acts 18, he doesn't want to take any more hits. And God says, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. Right? So sometimes we we keep talking and we keep going at it. In, In 2 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth that they'll come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who's taken them captive to do his will. Okay? So, four things, right? Sometimes you stay in a relationship, but you be quiet. Sometimes you leave the relationship. Sometimes you just keep on talking, don't stop. And sometimes you gently instruct. So there's a, so it's, it's, situation dependent so the you're asking the spirit of god well, what is the right play what do i do here and if you get it wrong you just try again you know
1: may i say the first thing you want to
0: do is pray absolutely right so we, there's a there's a rule that we you never want to talk to people about god before you talk to god about people all right he is the one that's going to like superintend and override and the result of it might be that they come to faith and it might be that he's a stumblestone. stone right all these things are all in play. All right, so here's what I want you guys to do. Reflect on this. you got four kinds of rocks. What are the four rocks? Cornerstone. 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 Rejected stone. Capstone. Stumblestone. Okay, so as you anticipate where Paul, we're, gosh, get it right, where Peter is going, right? Aliens and strangers. It, does one of the four of those strike you most poignantly? And there's not a, this is not a right answer kind of game. Like, it might be for you his cornerstoneness is really like, I got to hang on to that. That he, this thing, he is the solid rock and that whatever else anybody else is saying is, I'm not going to listen to him because he's the one that's right. It might be the end game, the capstone that captivates you to think, I'm going to live my life in light of the final vision and I will see him, his glory exalted among the world, among the nations. Maybe it's the rejected stone. And you really got to think, okay, I'm ready. If he was rejected, I will draw strength and life from his rejection when I anticipate or I'm already experiencing my own. Or maybe it's the stumble stone. You're like, Lord, I'm just willing to submit to a world in which we won't always be successful. We just won't be. And okay, so it's one of the four, just think about it. Like, which of the four, I'd love to hear, which of the four of those has the most power in your life just right now? might change in a week or a month or in a year but right now does one of those have more resonance for you yeah tommy
1: uh for me the stumbling stone um really kind of hit home a bit because it occurred to me it's like you know not all roads are are we meant to travel and so you know when we have those interactions that turn negative for somebody where the gospel has been a stumbling stone praise god they shouldn't be walking that boat like this is a chance when they pick themselves up after this this interaction Maybe it's not us. Maybe it's somebody else. But maybe in the helping them
0: up, they'll experience some of that grace and yeah. change in the path. Okay, here's what I love about that. Paul uses the same image of stumbling, and he, then he asks a question in is Romans 11. Maybe it's 10, 10, 11. Do you know, Bob? Where? Quote, quote, tell me where I'm getting this from. Is Paul asks the question, "Did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery, or something like that? Did they stumble beyond recovery?" And his answer is, "No, not at all." So sometimes we stumble. And then we get back up. So God might use that. He uses failure to get us off this path to bring us to our knees so we might really discover him. So sometimes that's actually a really good thing. Plenty of people have rejected Jesus in the beginning but come to find him in the end. And so the stumble doesn't need to be the end of the game. That's good. For you guys, which, which is the most powerful for you? Cornerstone, capstone, Reject stone, stumblestone. Yeah, I'd love to hear.
1: For me, it's a capstone because all the words that are going on now, that in the end, Jesus is the final word, and uh, he will have the final word.
0: So seeing the end of the game is a helpful thing I mean, to
1: you. No matter how bad things get, that'll be the end.
0: Yeah. When he is finally exalted, finally all is made clear. When he's come back and every knee bows before him. That's a helpful vision to keep before you. Especially when you, when you know that you're losing, when you experience your own defeat or when you're experiencing that rejection. That if he went from rejected to exalted, then maybe I will too. And maybe I'll be able to see him in his, in his beauty reveal. All right, we got a couple votes. Or else, any one of these speak most deeply to you?
1: I like Cornerstone because... It's him that, that I base all my faith, it's him that I stand on, it's him that gives me strength, so if he's my cornerstone, that's where I, I, I get all of them. That's where I work from. Yeah. You know? But the cornerstone is not there. I also like the stumbling stone as well, because I, I think about stuff when, cornerstone speaks to me because people won't recognize him. And if you don't recognize something, you stumble over it. Yeah. You don't really, um, if you don't receive something, you stumble over it. Um, so I, I, I like stumbling stone, and I also like cornerstone.
0: Yeah, the cornerstone, if, you're, if you really understand that, if he is my foundation, and you can always ask the question, am I building on this? Jesus says, he, whoever builds his life on, I'm the rock. If you build your life on me, then when the storms come, and P.S., the storms are coming... Right? It's, not an if, it's not an if statement, it's a when statement. When the storm is coming, you are going to get cancer. Your spouse is going to leave you. Your kids, you know, something, right? There is a storm, maybe not all of them, but the storms are coming. And are you anchored onto the rock? Are you, are, is, this, is he really actually your foundation? Or are you just teasing? You
1: know? Friend of mine, just texted me, Brian's to coming in to here. His wife just went home to be with the Lord, 6 o'clock this morning. He just text me to let me know that. And it hurts, but if I don't have my faith, if he doesn't have his faith to stand
0: on, what's he got? He's got nothing. Yeah, you know. Do you ever think about this? Do you ever watch like people in the world going through grief, and you're like, and they don't know Jesus, and you're like, how on earth do you get through the day? Like, truly, what do you do when you don't have a cornerstone or a capstone? When your world doesn't have a paradigm for rejected stones, like. What do you do you know i mean what what do you i guess you drink or something right literally i mean everybody's got to find a strategy something that's going to like make life work The problem is a lot of those strategies don't work that well or they work for a little while and then they come to celebrate recovery right and that right well and, and we hope they do we hope that we do because because everybody's going to have hurts and habits and hang-ups and the strategies. There's a, there's a great book that I read. It's a business book, but it says what, what brought you here won't take you there, right? And this reality. I mean, you, you've all, every one of you has devised, has devised strategies to get through the day, but eventually your strategies are going to stop working. They won't work, and you're going to have to abandon them and find a new strategy and maybe go back to a, a different cornerstone. Yeah. Okay, no love for the rejection. Yeah. Uh, Um, I'm so glad to hear you said that because when we, like, it's okay to fall down provided we get back up. And when we recognize that I'm rejecting him, I'm not the rejected stone. I'm reject. I'm rege- I'm one of the rejectors, and it doesn't work out, then his grace is so rich to say, well, come, come again, come again, and come again. So I, I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> okay, rejected stone, you guys, that's my favorite. So interesting that nobody else likes my favorite um the thing that I, the thing that I, I think the reason that the rejected stone is so compelling to me is actually the same passage I think that Becky that you mentioned, although you were talking about first corinthians uh one and two that whole thing in the in the setup of um uh the stumbling stone, right you're talking about in, in that I think of that passage all the time i I can't prove this to you, but I feel like first Corinthians one eighteen and following is I think I said it was chapter 2, chapter 1. 1 Corinthians one eighteen and following is I think I think it's unique. It stands out to me as the most mysterious, maybe the most mysterious passage in the Bible. I, I, I won't debate you on this, but every time I read it, I feel like what he's saying is so strange, so bizarre, and so it's like peering into a black hole. It's like This is the center of the strangest thing of the way that God works. And it is, it's it's this whole concept of the rejected zone. Just listen to this. It's so odd. And I would never, I would never have intuited this. Not in a million years. Listen to what he says. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll start at verse 18 for my money this is like this is like the deep magic right here listen to this he says for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of god for it is written i will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent i will frustrate and I should probably even just pause here to say, I love smartness. I love information. I love knowledge. I love intelligence. Every fellow I accept into my program is like a 3-8 or better, right? It's like, they're all smart people. They're all knowledge. I love knowing stuff. And this is like, blows it all to dust. Listen to this. Verse 20, where is the wise man... Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block, there it is again, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But listen to this, you guys. Here it is. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. Read the rejected things. The things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness holiness and redemption therefore as it is written let him who boasts boast in the Lord Amen. it is his pleasure to win by weakness right in every regard he goes to the deepest idiocy that this crucified man would be the rescuer of the world is such lunacy (laughs) and that was the plan that he would defeat the powers of hell by being defeated who comes up with that right in every way the way up is down it is the rejected, the despised, the lowly. And this to me is such a rebuke because I don't want to be any of this. I want to be exalted and strong and smart and victorious. And everything, all of that is just decimated in light of this. And the only way to be the capstone is to be the rejected stone. Right? You see what I said? This is deep magic. And it is so counter to everything that we were ever told. Oh I'm so, every one of them, cornerstone, capstone, rejected stone, stumbling stone, you need them all, but you might find different ones or more uh, savory to you at some moment as you embrace. What does it mean to be an alien and a stranger, an exile and a sojourn in a world that thinks you're so stupid? So get ready. And then, back to, back to Lily's point, Just we'll end with this. Look at verse 5, you guys. It says... You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. You guys, what are the metaphors that the New Testament uses to describe the church? The church is like what? A bride. bride, Very good. A body, right? The body unit made up of many parts, right? The bride of Christ. Good. Body bride. What else? Temple. Temple. Excellent. What else do you know? Um that's good. And we're going to look at that next week. So we'll, we'll save kind of some thoughts on the royal priesthood there. Body bride cried uh body, body Did I just mangle this body bride uh temple uh house. House and household. And then one you also get field. Field is not common. but Paul talks about field in like I think it's first Corinthians 10. where we're field. But do you know what the number 1 is? Most common metaphor? It's not body not bride. We tend to think of it as those. It's this image of house or household. It shows up way more frequently, which is funny because we almost always talk about the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. We never talk about the household of God. But it's this. It's that, it's that we're a house. We're, sometimes that house carries on the structure, the walls and the roof. Sometimes it's like the people, the household, the people in the family. But this concept of house or household is the most common description for the church in the New Testament. And here's another example of it. That we are living stones being built together where our lives are linked. There is this foundation, but it's not just one foundation. We're all being tied together. And it's because he he is a rock and therefore we are rocks. What that means is he is rejected. We are rejected. He is the capstone. And we will be with him. He will confer to us his glory. He is a stumblestone, stone. And therefore, as you guys have said, people will stumble over us, right? But he's building us together into a house. And if we're going to get through it, then we need to be doing it together. His church is designed to function together. The storms will rage, the wind will howl, but as the church is the church, the stones are all knit together It'll all work out. We'll be rejected. People will stumble. But the capstone days are coming. He's put us together to be a body. So stay together. All right? That's all we got. We're done. Thanks, friends.